Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. It's How Do We Fix It with Richard and Jim. Why American manufacturing is so much stronger than you think. Christina Z. Holly. Everyone thinks about L.A. as being about you know, Hollywood and tech. And what is actually surprising to most people is when they learn that L.A. is the largest manufacturing center in the country. In fact, for every job in film and television in L.A., there's four jobs in manufacturing. Wow. So... Yeah, so it's actually a really important part of our economy. If you ask a community if they'd be interested in having more manufacturing jobs in their community, they'd say yes. And then if you ask them, do you want your kid to work in one of those factories? They say no. <laughs> How do we fix it? How do we fix it? Jim, it's time for another quiz. <laughs> Uh-oh. In the last 25 years, what's happened to total exports of American-made manufactured goods? That's the total of the stuff that the U.S. has shipped overseas. Has that total gone down in the past 25 years, say 10%, stayed the same, or doubled, or gone up by four times? Well, Richard, I've learned a little bit from you, and I actually did a little research before the show, and... Um, it's amazing. It's run so counter to what people think, but it's actually gone up four times. Yeah, that really surprised me. And it means that American manufacturing is doing a whole lot better than the vast majority of Americans believe. Factories are making a lot more with fewer workers. According to a Pew Research poll this summer, 81% of people know factory jobs have declined, but only a third of Americans know that manufacturing output has gone up at the same time. So our guest today is a fellow podcaster, Christina Holly, who's known to friends and colleagues as Z, and she is the host of the Art of Manufacturing podcast. Z is an MIT-trained engineer and tech entrepreneur. She's the ideal person to separate the facts about American manufacturing from fiction and to give us some ideas about how to make things better for makers. Z Holly joins us via Skype from Los Angeles. Welcome. Hey, how are you, how are you doing? Great. Great to have you on the show. So there's so much pessimism out there about the, uh, the state of manufacturing and the economy. Are you optimistic? Uh, I am. So I have two hats. I'm the chief instigator of Make It in LA, the nonprofit. And then I also host the podcast, The Art of Manufacturing. And, you know, my role at Make It in LA, we're, we're working on creating community, connecting the entrepreneurs with each other so they can learn best practices from each other so they could be successful, scale their businesses, and then also connect them with the factories so that we found that 58% of 
manufacturers in LA have excess production capacity. That means that the majority of the factories in LA are sitting idle part of the time. And they're really interested in connecting with more startups. There's this translation that needs to happen. So why is it that so many people, and I'm thinking here of President Trump as much as anyone, thinks that uh, manufacturing is on its knees? I think that the perception is that all of the jobs have gone overseas because a lot of the really um, the low-wage jobs, you know, we just can't compete as a country in terms of low-wage jobs. And so a lot of those jobs have gone overseas. Uh, however, we've made up for that by the fact that we have a lot of uh, advanced manufacturing technologies. However, <laughs> it is also true that other countries have been investing much more significantly in manufacturing, in advanced technologies, robotics, um, sustainability. And, and so it's, we are really in, in peril. Uh, and I think that we need to be super careful about that. And um, so we, you know, we cannot keep our eye off the ball. You know, I just drove across the Midwest this weekend and um, driving across Indiana and, and Ohio especially, and there's a lot of, of small metalworking shops and there's factories. I saw a lot of help wanted signs out in front of those places. Yeah. This story has not gotten out. Yeah. Why do you think that is? <sighs> it's a really good question. I mean, I, you know, if you, ask, um, if you ask a community if they'd be interested in having more manufacturing jobs in their community, they'd say yes. And then if you ask them, do you want your kid to work in one of those factories? They say no. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I think it's an attitudinal change. Now, that's one of the things we're trying to change. You know, um, I like to say manufacturing is sexy. There's a lot of really, really interesting um, entrepreneurs, founders, uh, innovators that are doing some pretty interesting things. Um, and I think that by telling some of those stories and starting to appreciate that, then I think we can change the, the narrative. So, Z, you come out of uh, this culture of MIT innovation entrepreneurship that I've covered a lot as a journalist, and it also overlaps somewhat with what people call the maker movement. Tell us what the maker movement is and how it affects entrepreneurship and manufacturing. Yeah. So actually, I think that there's what's exciting to me, a very big part of what's exciting is this resurgence of interest in making things. And um, it's turning into this shift towards thinking about, okay, how can we actually turn these into real businesses? But uh, traditionally, there's been a huge gulf. So on one side, you have the makers, the artisans, the tinkers, really the word maker uh, evokes this sense of not being very serious and um and then on the other side there's the manufacturing that's at scale and it's a very different community and what's funny is that the fact that you know i've just recently thought about this that in my past i'm an engineer originally by training and i'm a um you know, tech entrepreneur. And I had this opportunity to, to start two different university innovation centers, one at MIT, and then one at the University of Southern California. And um, my role there was to really help faculty and students translate their ideas, their research into the market and to help dozens of venture backed startups spin out of the universities. And it was really a, a form of translation and a form of community building. So community building and the kind of culture within the university to value uh, the, the idea that, hey, let's actually, instead of having research that's just intellectually interesting, how do we make it impact more lives more quickly? And then also bridging that gulf with the business community, very different cultures, very different 
uh, kind of attitudes and, and, um, it's like night and day. So, so serving as that connective tissue. And so I realized recently that, that I feel like I'm doing the same thing now in manufacturing, being this champion for manufacturing entrepreneurs, people who want to make stuff. And really if it, the, the, the definition of innovation for me is, and the difference between invention and innovation is that invention is a one of something. It's like you do it for yourself. And that a lot of times that's what the tinkers and the makers, you know, they've been seen as doing. And what we're doing with Make It in LA is to help translate that into, you know, scale. And and sometimes you need to connect with the existing manufacturing base to do that. And there's this great opportunity. It hasn't really been happening until now. So it's pretty exciting. You mentioned that a lot of low-skilled jobs in American manufacturing have gone away. And, and most people know that very well. Have they been replaced mostly by high-skilled jobs. And if that's true, uh, doesn't that represent a problem? Because it means that, that we've simply said to a bunch of people in America, your brawn is, is no longer needed to do the job. Um, so if you know how to weld, you could get a job tomorrow. If you know how to do CNC machining, you could get a job tomorrow. There, there's a huge need for this. And CNC machining is computer numerical controlled. So it's like uh, semi-automated um, machining. Do you and need a degree so, to do that? Uh, you don't. You need to have certain skills and certificate. There are certificate programs. Um, there are vocational schools that teach it. Uh, you do need math skills, but you don't have to have, you definitely don't have to have a college degree. And I think that one of the biggest challenges we have in this country is that we, we don't value that kind of a job because we've been told that it's a dead end job. And in fact, there's some really great jobs. The average wage in manufacturing is much higher than an average wage in, say, retail or other um, typical service jobs. So, so I think that we, one of the important things we need to do is to, to shift our thinking around this and, and create more of this uh, base of a skilled workforce, like they have in Germany, for example, where they really value those kinds of skills. You know, you, you mentioned CNC uh, machining, and this is just part of a whole revolution of computer-controlled manufacturing and, and uh, prototyping technologies, including 3D printing and lots of other things we hear about. Don't you think that we have an image of manufacturing as being rote? This person standing in a machine doing the same thing day after day, year after year, you know, for their whole life but that manufacturing has moved in a more dynamic, more flexible, and maybe even more creative direction? That's definitely true. Uh, you know, and I think even if you think about the process of machining, um, there's an incredible amount of creative and imaginative thinking that goes into it. When, when you need to you know, manufacture a part, you need to think about what is the material that's necessary? What are the, the tolerances? How do you actually put it? You may actually have to first create a jig for the part in order to create the part that you need to create. And so it's, uh, I think that, and that's just one aspect. Then of course there's, there's fashion design and there's food, um, there's rocket ships, there's, you know, there's so many different aspects of the things that you can design and then taking it to the next level, rethinking, rethinking supply chains, rethinking, like, for example, on my podcast, the art of manufacturing, um, we've had a lot of really interesting guests and one of them that comes to mind is, uh, Eric Ellistad of Local Roots. So his company is creating these 
farms, urban farms in shipping containers uh, that can be put anywhere. It could be in Antarctica and, you know, in the cold, cold and hot, you know, in the desert. And you can have fresh produce, five acres of produce, the equivalent of five acres of produce in each shipping container. And they're they're in some ways they're actually manufacturing the produce, but they're manufacturing these systems for you. And they're re they're rethinking this whole supply chain of food. His parents are own this hundred year old shipping container family business, not shipping container, intermodal transport company that they basically created these reefer trucks for produce. And now he's coming in and going, we don't need to transport the produce. We can grow the produce right near you. And they're creating, they're coming up with these, um, you know, LED lights that, that are that are optimized for the plants so that they actually use the least amount of energy, uh, half the energy of a typical farm, um, 2% of the water of a typical farm. Um, and so I think that it's also really exciting to see this new direction of sustainability that we're taking with manufacturing. It's How Do We Fix It? I'm Richard Davies. And I'm Jim Meggs. And we're speaking to Christina Z. Holly about opportunities for American manufacturing and why the future can be better than you think. How would you like to look five years younger? In a clinical study, people that had volume added with Juvederm Voluma XC in the cheeks perceived themselves as looking five years younger at six months after treatment. Look younger, feel like you. Add volume for lift and contour in the cheeks with Juvederm Voluma XC. Reverse signs of aging by adding volume to smooth laugh lines with Juvederm Volure XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. So Z, you're the founder and chief instigator of something called Make It in LA. What is that? Yeah, it's a, it's a, a new initi- relatively new initiative that spun out of Mayor Garcetti's office in Los Angeles. This is and this is Mayor Gil Garcetti. Eric, this is uh, Mayor Eric Garcetti's office. Good, I, I got got half his name right. <laughs> she already <laughs> said it. <laughs> I know. <laughs> yeah, and uh, so the whole idea is, I was a when I left um, academia. Uh, Mayor Garcetti had asked me to serve as an entrepreneur in residence and actually kind of help define what that program might be. It was a bit of an experiment. And the idea was to serve as a liaison with the entrepreneurial community and with startups. And And I was really eager to do it if I could focus on an area that was untapped and a little bit less valued than most. And everyone thinks about LA as being about 
you know, Hollywood and tech. And what is actually surprising to most people is when they learn that LA is the largest manufacturing center in the country. In fact, for every job in film and television in LA, there's four jobs in manufacturing. Wow. So, yeah. So it's actually a really important part of our economy. And the people with the jobs in manufacturing aren't taking your order at dinner. Right, exactly. Well, and the thing is, if you the, the, the impact of manufacturing is much greater than those direct jobs. Um, so for every job, there's another, there's this multiplier effect. For every dollar invested in manufacturing, there's another dollar and a half impact to the economy. And you have this multiplier effect of multiple other jobs of suppliers and other companies that are supporting you. So it's a really, um, it's a very powerful economic engine. And so, you know, I thought, I'd like to, I'd be really curious. I have a year in this role. Let me see if there's another opportunity here. Before you answer that, what are they making in LA? What are all those (laughs) jobs going into? Good question. Well, aerospace is huge. I mean, this is really, in fact, my family, when I was really young, um, moved to L.A. because of the aerospace industry back in the 70s. Um, and, and it's still that manufacturing base is still here. So then you have SpaceX and Jet Propulsion Laboratories and a bunch of startups in, in the area. And um, we also have uh, Mojave has a lot of really interesting test test facilities there. Uh, Virgin Galactic, all these companies. Then we have Fashion. Um, denim is really huge. We're, we're actually going more upscale. It's been more casual fashion, but then now we're going much more upscale. We have uh, food with like sort of the breadbasket of the country. So we have all this amazing organic food in our backyard and amazing cultural influences. And so that's coming out in packaged food. Um, a lot of industrial transportation, automotive, sort of the center for automotive design, um, hardware, you know, just really a wide range. And, and that is... I have to say, uh, we're spoiled in LA. We are a large city, so we do have diversity of talent and a diversity of industries. But I think our diversity is greater than almost any city in the country, and that's really a strength. Um, a lot of the logistics as well is really interesting. So, for example, you have, um, and these are all folks that I've interviewed in my podcast, like Jesse Janae. She's rethought this the way of packaging because if you are delivering products and you're a direct consumer brand the the box that you get whether it's from amazon or directly from your website like that's that's the first impression that you give your customer but for a manufacturing company there aren't the same kind of tools that you have for let's say you're you're just trying to do a survey or a website or take payments online you have those there's an app for that right so they've created lumi and that's a company that that will help you with your supply chain for packaging and make sure that the packaging of your company of your product is worthy of your brand. It used to be you had to hire your own accountant, your own HR mm-hmm. department, handle all your payments and payroll. And that all took a lot of people and a lot of time. And it's different now. What's changed? Yeah, it is. The barriers to entry for just creating a business are so much lower. And um, some of it is when it comes to more of the the technology and the computing power side, that's just... Amazon Web Services, for example, you can turn on computing power like a light switch in the same way you can turn on power, water, et cetera. And Amazon wants, actually, Amazon wants 
e-commerce and delivery to be the same thing. Basically, a service where you, you want something, it comes to your door that same day, and you don't think about it anymore. And so that's actually making it possible for more flexible, more um, you know nimble product development cycles. It also creates more pressure on brands and manufacturers to be innovative. And so so there's a there's an opportunity and a, and a risk for the incumbents. Um, but I think that that also is really beneficial for local manufacturing. So if you're a fashion designer, for example, and you want to have a particular design made, are you going to go to China or Bangladesh, probably, you know, or Vietnam and have that made and then wait for six weeks? You hope it'll show up on that container and you hope that there isn't a strike at the port and you hope it's what you asked for and they didn't, you know, cheap out on some of the materials or didn't misunderstand what you wanted and the translation and the, you know, the time zone difference and the cost of having somebody there. Or you go to your local factory uh, down the street, you can go and check on it, you know, and see it on the production line. And in two weeks, you have your product. Thanks very much. Great to speak with you. Christina Z. Holly whose podcast is The Art of Manufacturing. Check it out. Uh, You can go and find it on iTunes or other podcast platforms. Thanks for joining us. Thanks so much for having me. So, Jim, this show is, is the perfect antidote to that awful term, Rust Belt. Christina Holly saying that manufacturing is sexy, that it's a vital part of our future, that it's growing, that it has this multiplier effect, that for every dollar you invest, you get back more, uh, that there are a lot of new jobs and new enterprises being created. It really was kind of an optimistic show. Right, right. And, you know, from my days at Popper Mechanics, I can tell you this is such an exciting area and this idea that everything's in decline is a myth, but it is changing, and it's changing in some ways that are not great for some workers. We don't want to make this such a rosy scenario that there aren't any problems. There have been huge problems in some sectors of the manufacturing economy. So let's go from, from rosy to blue. She's talking about blue-collar jobs. Jobs, and we've mentioned this before. Mike Rowe was a guest in a previous How Do We Fix It? This idea that if you're a welder, you can get a job. You don't need to go to a four-year college to get the kind of education needed to get a good, solid, middle-class job. That you can go to say, a two- or three-year program in a training college and learn skills that will be vital in in the new manufacturing jobs that are emerging. Right. You know, this whole idea, this very well-intentioned idea that we should run our education system so everyone can go to college meant very well, but it's a system designed by people who went to college and liked college. And what it did was it created a stigma against vocational programs, and really it's extended to almost anybody who works with their hands or builds things. We do. We have a stigma against that, and as a result, not enough people are getting trained in those areas, and a lot of those jobs are going unfilled, where meanwhile people are trying to 
get through a four-year college program, loading up debt, bailing out, and winding up worse than they were before. You're the squishy libertarian on our show. So I wanted to get your take, Jim, on, on the potential role for government in all this. Can we use the government to be a creative force rather than getting in the way of new enterprises? It's such an important question. And she talked about a program that the, that the city of Los Angeles has to help advise manufacturing companies that are approaching a change in management. Maybe they can empower their existing middle management employees to, to take over. I like that kind of thing. I, I like co- partnerships between academic institutions, local government, you know, um, um, startups and, and creating incubators for, for new businesses. I think there are ways that government can be helpful without really getting in the way. But I also think we shouldn't overestimate what government can do. Another myth I think that uh, Christina Holly bust is this idea that our future lies in new Silicon Valleys, that it's all about, you know, bringing out a new group of Stanford engineers and that all of those kinds of jobs are related to tech. A lot of this is about much broader areas of manufacturing. Yeah, and I like the fact that she's focused on aspects of manufacturing that aren't super trendy but they're important. They're important for the economy. They're important for jobs. And there may be great opportunities for certain people. In another part of this myth-busting show, she's talking about the, the manufacturers of tomorrow potentially having as many women in top manufacturing sure. positions as men. Long overdue. A lot of myth-busting in this show. And if you want to learn more about manufacturing, Christina Z. Holly is the host of the Art of Manufacturing podcast, a show that we've enjoyed listening to, especially in, in doing the research for this episode. It's How Do We Fix It? I'm Richard Davis. And I'm Jim Meggs. Our producer is Miranda Schaefer. Music by Lou Stravinsky. And this show is a production of Davies Content. We make digital audio for companies and nonprofits. Check us out. Thanks for listening. Traffic jams, tailgating, pileups. Ugh, the joys of driving. How could it get worse? The federal government wants to have a say in what you drive. That's right. The Biden administration's EPA is pushing mandates that would ban two out of every three vehicles on the road today. Don't let Washington become your backseat driver. Protect the freedom of driving your way. Visit energycitizens.org. Paid for by the American Petroleum Institute.